everybody. Before we dig into today's podcast, I hope everyone is doing well. Artists, photographers, neon makers, vendors, shop owners. If you just love neon and if one day you hope to own your own sign, whoever you are, I hope you're all okay during these trying times. Number two is our merch. If you ever wanted to wear something with the intent to feature neon front and center, it's online. Hit merch on the main nav on the site and so on. And last, text us, 917-565-9616. Love to hear from the community, general thoughts, musings, and or whoever we should have on the show. Whatever it is, hit us up, and here is your podcast. Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, neon, helium, xenon, krypton. Transform and roll out. Max at Mono Neon. I'm with Mike Sweet, owner of FMS Neon. Thanks for coming on the show, Mike. Thanks for having me. Appreciate being here. Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, we kind of just quickly got into it a little minute ago. Just was super excited to have a, a company such as FMS on the show, really making neon components, glass, all of these things. Uh, for anyone listening, you know, vendors and, and people that are just maybe just aficionados of neon, people that largely maybe one time operated their own shop or just getting into it and like yeah i've heard of that company before uh really tracing its origins of the company back to 1930 and uh i mean about the start of the company you know maybe the foundations of it give us a little sure. insight as to maybe like comic book 101 yeah yeah it uh it started with my grandfather his name was fred martin sweet that's where the fms comes from and uh back yeah, he was uh, in the depression in the in the early 1930s. He was in his mid 20s and looking for work, looking for some kind of a career, something he could do. And he was kind of an entrepreneurial fellow and was good working with his hands. And he saw uh, some neon signs, different places. It was kind of the infancy of the neon industry, but he he thought that technology was really good. That really interested him. He was fascinated by it. And so he took a job uh, here in Minneapolis area at a sign shop that was doing a lot of other types of signage in addition to the neon. And, and he uh, kind of uh, was an apprentice there and uh, learned to bend uh, blow glass um, on the job as an apprentice at this sign shop in Minneapolis and, and uh, gradually learned uh, more and more how to do it. But then uh, in the late 30s, early 40s, of course, World War II hit, and he had to kind of give that up. He went out to California, and uh, he was out there for five or six years. And, and uh, while he was out there, uh, he, was, he was training pilots. He was a little bit old to actually use kind of his late 30s by that, or uh, late 20s, early 30s by that point, a little old to go into combat. So he trained pilots uh, in Southern California. And while he was there, he, he still dabbled with neon and he met this guy uh, 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 Arthur McMahon and he had a patent on some neon hardware pieces and so on and the neon tube supports uh, even that we still sell today bear the McMahon name on them and he bought uh, during during World War II he bought the patents from this McMahon guy and then when the war was over he came back to Minneapolis but rather than uh, be a neon sign maker, he decided that he would go into business manufacturing materials that he would sell to other people who are making neon signs. And so that was kind of, uh, I think 1946 was when he returned from the war. And that's when uh, the company was incorporated. 
It's yeah. such a fascinating story too. I mean, for anyone that's listening, it's, and World War II was such a, I mean, you know, so much economic pressure. I mean, to go into a situation where you're not only recovering from the war, but now kind of constructing this idea. I mean, what an entrepreneur to kind of carve out his own path and, and largely, I mean, through conversation, through kind of general acquaintance, having the ability to now kind of manufacture your own goods. Mm-hmm. Um, was he kind of always in that level of promoting kind of his own, his own product? I mean, had he been kind of like a tinker inventor of sorts? Yes. It sounds like he kind of had it. Absolutely. Hand. He was that kind of a guy and he was very uh, 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 outgoing, kind of friendly fellow. Uh, so he, uh, he, he would put, uh, uh, I think there were some years where he'd put like uh, 60, 70, 80,000 miles on a car uh, driving all over the United States, uh, trying to promote the business, you know, and uh, developing relationships. He was a big relationship builder in addition to the uh, kind of the ability to to manufacture products. And, uh, and that's super cool. I mean, just going and jumping in a car, I mean, <clears throat> there's no sort of comparison to kind of actual real hard work. And I think it kind of gets demonized nowadays. People talk about overworked and overexhaustion, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to you know, look at a company and kind of wonder in yourself and kind of think about, okay, well, how do I get this done? I mean, he literally just got into his car and, and drove yep. how many miles it took, you know, yep. until it kind of building those relationships and those kind of distribution mm-hmm. channels. I mean, production methods and materials and those types of designs were, were largely going to not necessarily work themselves out. So uh, working around the clock and those kinds of things, you know, it's not unusual behavior for someone who, really has a passion for what they love to do to kind of go off and do those things. And I think, um, you know, the road that's not convenient, right. It's like, you know, you kind of see the stronger effects of all those years of hard work and, and labor. Yep. And uh, I think it's probably going to take just as much a dramatic effort on our part, you know, now in the industry more than ever to kind of keep that going, mm-hmm. you know, and people yep. always take, take a restful look at neon and say, well, you know, um, you know, it's gone, it's definitely gone through its, its heydays. Right. Um, yep. but, you know, in this issue of, you know, to me, it's kind of, it, it's illogical to say that it's, it's, it's over, right. It's only the question is who's going to keep it going. And that's mm-hmm. the only yeah. thing. And that's largely what this show is about is to continue to kind of give people, uh, the, the kind of, the, you know, the different perspectives on neon mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful story. And then, you know, so the quick kind of the company quickly gets a footing in neon and, you know, the fluorescent sign tubing electrodes, um, very popular in the line right now, especially the blockout paint. Had those things always been uh, kind of the core? Because you mentioned there's some some kind of key hardware that kind of was early on in the development. Of the yeah. Company. Yeah. The, the fluorescent coated glass tubing, the uh, neon tube supports the blockout paint. We also had a line of mechanical flashers. Um these mechanically driven things with contact points that would go up and down and animate signs. A lot of times they would animate uh, incandescent bulbs, you know, not neon necessarily, but uh, they also would animate neon. You'd have to use a separate transformer with each, with each circuit that was, that was animating or flashing on and off. And, and they got into a lot of other things too, you know, neon, uh, when my grandfather really pushed into it in the late forties and fifties, it was kind of what I call the, like the first golden era of, of neon in the, in the forties and fifties and kind of into the sixties. But then in the 1960s, it really uh, took a nosedive. 
kind of similar to what it has done you know, uh, more recently as far as the, the volume goes. The creativity was still there, people that were doing it, but the volume uh, went down because in the 1960s, a lot of people were doing plastic signs. That was that plastics really came out in the 60s and these plastic faced and molded plastic signs that were backlit with fluorescence. Those really took over and so neon, uh, the volume went down. And uh, so they got into a lot of different things. They made car starters and uh, musical Christmas tree stands and all sorts of different things, you know, to kind of keep the doors open and, and keep things going. Then uh, I started with the company in 1983, which was sort of just when Neon was ramping up again. I think that the 80s and 90s were kind of another uh, great uh, era uh, of, of kind of the second golden era of the neon sign industry. We, I think we sold more glass tubing during the 80s and 90s than we even did in the 40s and 50s. Uh, we used to sell, uh, you know, there were a lot of shops that were making channel letters and, and they would buy 15 millimeters, 6,500 white uh, thousand pound totes at a time and sometimes multiple totes and they were just hammering out these channel letters. So the, the volume of neon being done in the 80s and 90s was huge. Uh, that the channel letter business is, is not quite as creative or not as interesting really, uh, but it, it uh, did, did really use a lot of volume. But then with the influx of LEDs you know, in the early 2000s, uh, neon for channel letters really faded, but um, really the part of the neon industry that still is, exists today and is thriving today is the, the more creative part, which is really the best part of it. You know, a lot of exposed neon and artwork and vintage, uh, you know, retro uh, uh, looking uh, repairs and that sort of thing, old, old signs being restored. So that really is, is what's I think driving it today. And that's the best part. That's the most interesting part. The channel letter business was kind of yeah, I think that the, you know, especially when it comes to you mentioned too, is kind of the the alternative moments where people kind of embrace the te the, the kind of technology, and I think artists have, have picked it up. You know, I think uh, especially when you look at it's a, kind of its cycle, uh, local architects architects and designers of have really you know embraced the medium. Um, I think largely through kind of. Uh, you know, different programs. We have things like grants now that largely exist because of the fact mm -hmm. there isn't any signs going on. In fact, I just saw something happening in Vegas recently where they're, you know, going, redoing the downtown strip. Uh, so there's a lot that uh, I think the industry has kind of been exposed to over the years, you know, especially with uh, the different changes and developments in technology that have kind of largely driven neon into a specific kind of territory. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you've, 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 you know, the company has transitioned through a lot of different tricky, you know, even with like, you, you know, the depression era of neons and, 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 you know, cleverly kind of changing uh, what people consider to be, you know, like I said, the, the state of neon, have you seen, especially with being a manufacturer, uh, you know, largely some of the characteristics around your neon tubing and some of the, maybe the, the different processes that you guys use. I mean, electrodes are are largely driving a lot of the business now I see, and especially neon mm -hmm. tubing, people kind of getting some of those specialty colors back in place. Um, are there kind mm -hmm. of changes to the lineup that you guys have done over the years or anything that you kind of think is, you know, worth mentioning, you know, kind of in terms of availability or resurgence or mm -hmm. anything like that? Um, you know, there, there uh, uh, have been a lot of uh, new 
neon colors introduced, uh, we're, we're really trying, uh, scrambling to maintain the, the existing, you know, ones that we have back in the, in the, in the eighties and nineties, there were, uh, you know, half a dozen different companies in the United States that were making neon glass tubing, Osram, Sylvania and Phillips and, and GE and several others. And also a lot of people making phosphors. Uh, some of those same people that were making the glass were also making the phosphors. And uh, with the, the decline in the volume, you know, those, those companies are all about huge volumes. Uh, if it isn't a, a, a huge volume, they're not interested. And so today we find ourselves where there are no glass makers in the United States anymore and, and no phosphor makers either. All the glass and uh, phosphors come from uh, Europe and the Far East. And so uh, as a result, we've, you know, the whole, the industry has had to search for new, new sources uh, to try to maintain what we're doing, try to find things that are similar to what we used in the past and uh, to try to maintain the different colors and, and that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, and I think, so, you know, one of, one of my favorite things you guys do, and I did want to bring it up and especially, I mean, of course, all the products are, have a special quality to them is, you know, you, you guys sell transformers. I do want to put people onto this, you know, if they've never heard of the company before, you guys make a product called stays on, which is a very important block out product is, is something mm -hmm. that you may not know. Um, so if you've ever heard of that name, <laughs> that's mm -hmm. largely FMS's product. Right. And then you've got things like, uh, you know, like I mentioned the, the gases you guys also sell as well, which is unique. I mean, right. I think not all the companies now do all of these things, you know, they don't have uh, large, supplies or, or things kind of like you said maybe they did do tube supports maybe they don't do them anymore things like that so it is important to kind of maybe speak about what you guys do have letting people know um, mm -hmm. you know and, and largely all those products you can get you know where can people get this stuff you know if you're if you're a person who's been ordering for a while you you kind of have your ideas of where to get this stuff um, largely with stock and all this inventory and things coming up where you may not have the ability to just go off and buy large amounts of glass or things like that. Anything you mm -hmm. can kind of let people know different ways they can acquire your products? Sure. We, uh, for, for many, many years, uh, really for the first half century of, of our company, we sold um, only through local sign supply distributors and we sold uh, only full boxes of tubing, you know, 25 pounds and, and the, the, the shipping all was 500 pounds, uh, uh, it was kind of a minimum order size for these people. And, and, and with the evolution of the industry in the last couple of decades, uh, that's just not possible anymore. And so we had to uh, kind of modify our business model to meet where the industry was going. And so uh, we ship glass uh, by UPS every day. We ship uh, in five pound increments. If you wanted to buy five pounds of, you know, of, uh, eight millimeter purple and 10 pounds of, of uh, 12 millimeter green or whatever you want to mix and match together. We will do that. And we just know it's not really feasible for most of the neon shops out there today to, to buy if they needed some, some eight millimeter pink for something, uh, you know, to buy 25 pounds of it, it's a lifetime supply. And so we don't force people to do that anymore. And I think that's a, a very timely thing to say, because, you know, especially with people now, they're kind of being mindful of what they do acquire and, and how they store it. And largely, you know, neon isn't something that is easily stored. You know, there's large boxes of glass sitting around. And so yep. 
there's a lot of artists that come on this show or have spoken to us and, and kind of express interest in, you know, getting different things. And so I think it's a great opportunity to, you know, either reach out to Mike uh, and just figure out, you know, ways to kind of either uh, close in on a specific color or, you know, maybe get together a few different artists, like I said, acquiring different supplies and kind of sharing what you can versus, you know, trying to uh, get yourself into a corner, you know, it's a, a great way to kind of just dip your toes into what I think you guys do do really well mm-hmm. um you know and i think you know things like with uh with different you know things that come up uh for instance you know signs that you guys see uh minneapolis i did want to kind of put you guys on the map and just you know have other with local groups and kind of what you see largely in kind of the kind of stakeholder conversation of where do you see neon going is there anything i mean clearly you don't have a crystal ball i'm not expecting anything mm-hmm. uh, dramatic but you know, anything that you can kind of give that kind of largely shows where things are going or, or you know, maybe how the industry has changed for you guys a little bit? Yeah, like uh, as I was, you know, mentioned before, the, the channel letter business that was such high volume for so many years uh, is is largely gone. I don't know if there are, are any or certainly not many uh, putting me in channel letters anymore, but we really see uh, a lot of young people getting into the industry that are very interested in the, the, the just neon is such a neat medium to work with. If you're an artist or if you're restoring old signs, just the, the, the soft glow of a neon sign uh, and, and, and the creativity of being able to shape, uh, you know, heat up a glass tube and shape it into whatever, uh, whatever configuration you want and have it be a continuous line of light. Uh, people are very interested in that, and, and, and consequently, we sell a fair amount of material to to uh, art schools and museums that that also teach uh, people how to make art. And uh, um, so we see you know a lot of kind of vibrancy in the industry through those those uh, kind of avenues. And. Uh, yeah, and initiatives too, I think around some of the schools, it's great that you brought that up. There's a few, you know, that have kind of recently propped up and and uh, we've had them on the show. And what's clearly kind of pointed to me is even during this pandemic, you're seeing things like people largely running GoFundMes for specific signs, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, certain instances where, for example, the Palumbo School of Music, Academy of Music, I'm sorry, in New York City just recently got saved by the Cincinnati Museum, uh, a sign museum. We also got things like boot and saddle and Philly being being saved as well. Um, and so these kind of these poignant signs that have always pointed to a more simpler time, but also a time where mm-hmm. signs really kind of uh, were iconic and very important, you know, even through the modern changes that we've gone through technologically, I think largely these business owners are still aware that these are, are, are huge calling cards for the future of, you know, their business, but also more importantly, meeting the needs of their customers and their customers are saying, Hey, look, you guys should really keep that going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think those, those processes and the, and, the, and the logic that people have are, you know, Hey, let's, if it ain't broke, you know, don't try and replace mm-hmm. it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The industry mm-hmm. certainly has changed, but, uh, that you know and i was a little concerned um in the around the 2000s and when when leds really started making a strong push into the neon industry uh, uh that you know eventually you know fast forward to 2020 where we are today and and thinking that is neon going to even exist anymore but i've really been um 
you know, pleasantly surprised and, and encouraged by uh, the resiliency of the NEON industry. It seems like, you know, I, I, I can't imagine the American landscape without NEON. You know, it's just, it's, it's in some form or another, uh, it's here to stay. And, and uh, um, been, been encouraging to see uh, uh, kind of a resurgence uh, in, in interest in, in young people uh, getting into the, the business and it will never be the volume that it was before when we were selling the thousand pound tote boxes of white for channel letters. But, but, uh, you know, as I was saying, the, the best part of the neon industry is, is still there and, and vibrant. And, uh, we anticipated, you know, continuing on for, for the foreseeable future, you know, as long as we can tell. So, yeah, and the, I think maybe some single best pieces of advice that you can give somebody, I think maybe delivering when possible not to put you on the spot, but I think, you know, maybe, uh, you know, largely what do you think, you know, letting other new artists coming in or, or maybe trying to pick up the craft, things that you've seen that largely helped in that regard, trying to move things forward a little bit here. Um, you know, anything that comes to mind in terms of maybe like, business tips or, or things that you've seen down the pipeline that have largely worked? Well, I think that there's, um, uh, the, the, the neon industry is, is not, um, uh, a broadly communicated industry. Like if you were getting into, um, carpentry or, or, or any one of a bunch of different fields, there's, there's all sorts of, um, associations and and uh, training and schools you can go to and all this and there there is uh, some of that available for the neon industry but it's it's uh, it's a it's a more close knit industry that it's not and it's not as easy to find those things but there are some um, um, I don't know if you call them chat rooms or or other um, uh, Facebook uh, pages and 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 different things that that people can access to um, kind of um, get advice from other people in the industry. And, and I, I found that Neon people seem to be very willing to share um, share their advice and, and tips and, and give, uh, give people ideas. So that, that would be a good thing for, for people getting into the industry to try to access as much uh, of those online uh, you know, resources as they can. Yeah, I think um, we talk a lot about social media on the show, at least I've made a big push to do so. And I think it's, you know, like you said, there's largely those, uh, I'm a big fan of, of private Facebook groups uh, in different sectors and those people, right. especially locally, um, there's a huge kind of neon nation that uh, has a sense of what it, what it's all about. And just through talking and through conversing with different people that I've gotten to know on the show, uh, I've been exposed to a lot of different, different groups that have largely, you know, given premium advice and, and are largely people who are uh, very knowledgeable on uh, what's happening in the space, as well as just giving general talk and information about it. And I think that's worth repeating. I think if anybody who truly is wanting to establish themselves and learn a little bit more, it's a great way to uh, to kind of put yourself out there or just kind of pick up new information. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I think it's a great, a great tool. Um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, anything largely you just want to kind of end on, um, I think, you know, places to find the materials, they are online and you have a whole website dedicated to the company, obviously, 
which is uh, brilllight.com, right? Is that still correct? Yep, yep, that'll take you there. I think fmsneon.com also takes you to the same site. So cool. whichever one of those is easier to remember. It's fantastic. Uh, Mike, thanks for being on the show. You know, such a testament to Neon really uh, since its early days in the 30s and now expanding all the way up. Uh, I think, you know, it's just a quality conversation from start to finish and just hope you continue to keep engineering and really just delivering a lot of great value for the products that Neon artists use and, and even shops and everyone in the industry. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a great testament to Neon's permanence and uh just want to say thanks for coming on the show well pleasure to be here and, and thank you max for all that you do with the uh, uh with the, this podcast and kind of promoting uh, uh a forum that people can come to 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 find out more about neon and what's going on in the field and and uh we appreciate that and appreciate the opportunity to be on so thanks very much Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up. And as always, thanks for listening.